Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You listen to them cover Eric Bischoff's big WWE debut. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. I like this one. Welcome to After 83 Weeks. This is the show for the fans of 83 Weeks out there to come to after they've listened to this show. We cover all the big reveals. We got your fan reactions. We're your fellow fangirls and boys up in here getting ready to break it all down for you. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Christy Olson, and I appreciate every single one of you out there joining us in the live chat. We're rolling on YouTube. We're also available on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you like, rate, comment, and subscribe. And if you do leave us a comment, like Jersey Lish and Wujo0401, I'm going to shout you out, just like I did right there. And I'm about to shout out some more people that are actually right here in the studio with me. Please say hello to a man who's been around this business for over 13 years. But I think you guys know him best as the host of the SmackDown After Show right here on AfterBuzz. It's Christian Rosenberg. Hello, Christy. It's great to see you as always. Hi. 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 I don't know what that was. It may, I, well, it where, was. Where are we? Possibly a little annoying to to our listeners. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> I think that was me actually. So let's let's bring in another guy. See how see how this one goes. Sure. Hi. No, sorry, not. <laughs> he runs the YouTube channels of some of your favorite wrestling superstars. What else should we say about him? After Buzz Wrestling and Sports Ooh. Host, uh, A Plus Hustler. That's what you Ooh. are, Mr. Ooh. Steve Kaufman. Why, Why? thank you for that. That's. <laughs> I was actually just talking about this today, that you see that as a positive thing, whereas I come from, that's a super negative, like, where I come from, that's a super negative trait Hustling? to have. Yeah, to hustle something, like, to be able to hustle is seen as, like, hoodwink or, like, rob. Oh, no. Where I'm from, but I take the positive, <laughs> the positivity you see in me as a hustler. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Kaufman. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> <laughs> All love, positivity up in here. We are we're giggling already. We got yes. the giggles. This is, of course, the only podcast about a podcast. Well, it might not be anymore because it's been a few weeks, and I assume that people are biting us. So this is the first ever podcast about a podcast, and of course, often imitated, you, never duplicated, never until I do another show exactly right. like this for another <laughs> wrestling podcast, right. which is happening soon. So make sure that you guys all reach out to me and tell me what your other favorite podcasts are. In the meantime, we have a lot to discuss here tonight. This episode of 83 Weeks was all about Eric Bischoff's big WWE debut, or really what ended up being, I think, they they intended to cover his entire first year with the company. However, they didn't get past his debut and everything that led up to it. And this was all voted on by you guys. The 83 Weeks fans out there, they asked you what you wanted to hear them cover, and you guys said... Bischoff's first year in WWE. So this one was the big winner. And according 
to Mr. Eric Bischoff himself. His debuting in WWE was a big damn deal. He said, really, Hogan's heel turn is the only thing probably more shocking than him showing up on WWE programming. What was your guys' reaction to that? Over this maybe like eight to ten year span, you can make an argument that that was like the number two biggest shocking moment really behind Hogan turning the heel. Obviously, there are so many between the NWO and DX and Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, etc. But, but really, it was the it was the hell froze over moment, and it was something that nobody ever thought they would see. Right. I mean, obviously, Eric gets into it during during the show itself. I was really concerned like and last week we were talking about the first his first year I'm just like how long is this podcast going to be <laughs> then when I see it and it was like under two hours I'm like they they kept a lot out and then they're like oh no this is just the first <laughs> night okay that makes sense then um, but no I mean I remember the moment very well I remember being shocked with the promo which we'll get into um, and Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon awkwardly shaking hands and and raising each other's arm because mm-hmm. one of them grabbed the the wrong arm of the other. <laughs> um, it was quite interesting, but yeah, it's great. Um, I can honestly say I wasn't. This was right around the time I took a brief hiatus from watching wrestling, and this oh. was and I. But as For someone shame. from as someone from that standpoint, this was something that transcended that. That people told me about it. Mm-hmm. People heard about it who were also not watching at the time. They're like, yo, Eric Bischoff showed up on Raw. And I'm like, what? And then I get to turn it on and actually watch it. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say it was a very momentous. Yeah. And it was like one of, the, one of the more momentous things of like the modern age of Raw. Because big shockers like that don't ha- haven't really happened since. No, that's very true. So very appropriate that they would take the opportunity to break this down kind of step by step. And they started way at the beginning Eric, you know, talked about how he was going to buy WCW, but the deal fell apart. And at this point in time, something called Matt Rats pops up on his radar. Is this something that you guys had wondered about before? Do you remember hearing about Matt Rats? Never like, heard of it. You've never heard of Matt Rats? Never heard of Matt Rats. I've heard of Ring Rats, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I would watch that reality show. That would be... I don't think that reality show will ever get picked up on hey, any TV there's, network. there's Basketball Wives, there's hey, all the... D- that's true, actually. Wags. That's true. Well, and also, if you can't get it on regular cable, you just, like, the Pornhub's looking for actual content now. The actual non Why do you know this? non Everyone's looking for... Dogs.com is looking for content. Everyone's looking for content. But anyway, Matt Ratz, <laughs> uh, with MTV, speaking for looking for content, MTV right? reshuffles their deck... Ownership wise, I think still like ownership and executive wise, they reshuffled the deck like every five quarters. Yeah, I've heard of this. <laughs> that it's like that there will be one young person who will make a choice. Wrestling Society X is very similar to this, mm-hmm. where one person makes a choice. We're all in on this show, and by the time the show actually makes air, it's a completely different group of people running MTV, mm-hmm. and it either has to be so good and. It either has to be so good and so well rated that it'll appeal to both groups, or it it's like a redheaded stepchild. Matt Rats didn't even make it this far. Mm-hmm. Matt Rats couldn't even roll with one ownership group. I say ownership, I mean executive group. 
Oh, who who knows what could have been with Matt Rats? We will never know. But Eric Bischoff. I'm okay with that. There were a lot of great, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of great young and up and coming talents like involved because it never really made it that far. Mm-hmm. But in its infancy, like there were a lot of great folks. Like I want to say Teddy Hart was involved. He was. They they mentioned that on the show, and it sounds like something that really would have resonated with kids or like with the younger audience. Mm. Which maybe the younger audience needed something in wrestling at, at this point in time. <laughs> something a little cleaner for them. But this is the point in which Eric Bischoff gets a phone call from a lawyer who says, Hey, is it cool if WWE calls you? Is this like the weirdest thing ever? Did I misunderstand this? Is that why I think it was so weird? That's what he said, right? That's yeah, It was pretty much what he said. Well, yeah. that's how WWE dealt with, and I think that was ingrained, the Pritchard podcast, Bruce Pritchard talks about this a lot on his podcast, that whenever they wanted to talk to someone at WCW, they could not in any official way speak to them until they know they have a release in hand. That, like, anytime they wanted to talk to a talent formerly of WCW, they will not unless they have, like, hey, can you fax us your release? Mm-hmm. With a, so we have a timestamp and a date to know he faxed us this release on this date, and then we started talking to him. So I'm sure that's a remnant left over of, like, well, what is your... Also, with Eric's... Eric being so involved with WCW the entire time, including at the end trying to revive it, that's a fair that's a fair way to approach it of just like hey do you have any interest in the WWE calling you at all do you have a 10 year deal with Time Warner we just weren't aware of like <laughs> anything like that like anything like that it's more it's better for a lawyer to call that's okay. ma- have them make their money all right I mean, it sounds a little less ridiculous it's also like it's not like I mean you hear later that like Kevin Nash calls him or Jim Ross calls him like these are these are things that come later but it's why would why would you? They ask would not them, have called if they yeah. didn't have that first call, a, right? And he might not. He might want out of the wrestling business. And it sounded like it sounded like up until that point that maybe he was just trying to be a TV producer, not necessarily a wrestling TV producer. And maybe he wants to put wrestling behind him, right? That he was kind of over it. But a quote unquote bitter Jim Ross does <laughs> give Eric Bischoff a call, and this is where we get uh, a little background about the Jim Ross thing. Jim Ross wanted to leave WCW. Bischoff said, fine, cool, let him go. Adios. And somehow that turned into Jim Ross writing in his book that Eric Bischoff fired him when apparently that's not what happened. We talk a lot about what might be true on this show and what Eric might not be uh, toeing the line on. What did you think was true here? Well, I mean, like picking different sides and hearing different tales of of the feud between Eric Bischoff and Jim Ross would be like trying to count how many times Big Show's turned heel or face. <laughs> Seriously. It I mean it's just constant stories all the time. You we don't know who to believe anymore because there's just been so many different tales mm-hmm. on both sides from all different people, not just them. So I any honestly any time that I hear Eric Bischoff talk about someone with Jim Ross or Jim Ross talking about someone with Eric Bischoff I'm just like, all right, on to the next part. Because to me, it's just like, I don't, I have no idea whether or not I should believe this. Well, I do think if you're on the fence of whether you do believe Eric about the Jim Ross story, I'll point back to the Vader story, where he straight up said, where Eric Bischoff straight up said, I know it sounds like I took great pride in firing people. I've only ever actually in person fired, like, he maybe. He said a fi- handful. Yeah, like a handful, said, yeah. like a, a very sh- sh- like short list of people. And I didn't feel great about it. That sh- you shouldn't feel great about that. So, 
if you believe him on that, you have to believe it wasn't what Jim Ross thinks it was. Because mm-hmm. Jim Ross's side of the story is, I didn't feel wanted there under Eric Bischoff's regime. I felt I felt antagonized by Eric Bischoff my entire time there. Like, he had... Like, he let what happened to him, which was he just wa- didn't want to be there, made it clear he didn't want to be there, and then mm-hmm. was told he wasn't going to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And he let how he felt about Eric and how he felt Eric felt about him inform how he felt it probably went down. I know <laughs> okay. that's a lot, but but it, we're going to need a therapist in here <laughs> yeah. pretty soon. My head hurts. Yeah, well, the outcome yeah. of this of phone call with Jim Ross is that Bischoff turns him down. He's like, hey, it's 4th of July weekend. It's my wife's B-Day. I got fam coming in. I can't be bothered. Adios. Um, speaking as... No, that's what he said. No, like, well, no, I agree. That's what, <laughs> But speaking as someone who does get called on occasion for work... Mm-hmm. I always see, like, the first call of a potential employer. Mm-hmm. If they're calling you, like, you're not banging down their door to get hired. Mm-hmm. Like, they're asking you. That's, whether you know it or not, the very first step of a working relationship. Right. So if the very first step of the working relationship is calling you on a Friday of a holiday weekend, saying, can you come across the country by Monday? Right. And we're not going to tell you what's happening? Ultimately, it worked. It worked out that it would have been it did, beneficial, but, but he at the time like that's I I agree with him completely. It's like why would you ever agree to that? like that makes you come off different than you are. Honestly, he, he makes sure to mention he had plenty of money in the bank. He didn't uh, he didn't need to take the money, and but also that if he knew that this was the invasion, if he would have been course. given a little more information, he would not have turned it down. It sounded like he really regretted that. Th- didn't this it? this. By far was the most fascinating part of yes. this episode for me. Okay. Because the invasion angle is something that all wrestling fans were so excited for mm. and universally felt so disappointed with how it resulted. Based on what we had, what we ended up getting out of this whole invasion angle was we got Booker T and WWE and we got the Hurricane. And Rob Van Dam. Who we love. And RVD. At the and end, RVD. And, like, and like some when it was also done, that, up, yeah. That's pretty much like the, the main like six successful parts of this invasion angle. Mm-hmm. Because you had you had um, Steve Austin trying to be a heel, which mm-hmm. people didn't buy because everyone just cheered Steve Austin regardless. Um, you had, you know, are we really supposed to take Sean Stasiak seriously um, as like a legit threat in this feud? Mike Awesome. Mike Mike Awesome. Um, you know, and, and, there, and there are others. But the thing is, if all of a sudden you had Eric Bischoff leading the way, instead of having Shane lead the Mm -hmm. way, having Eric Bischoff lead the way, first off, being Eric's in there, he could connect with other guys, whether it's NWO or whoever, maybe bring them in sooner. Mm -hmm. Maybe have the the bigger names Mm -hmm. from WCW that eventually came in after the angle, maybe they come in sooner. Maybe you don't have Steve Austin on this side. Maybe you have him trying to lead. There are so many different things that... Coulda, shoulda, woulda happened. Right, but you never know. You're helping us understand his disappointment because right. clearly that would have meant a lot to all of us. As right. Fans. It would it would have made it infinitely times better, mm-hmm. regardless of the outcome. If Bischoff suddenly showed up for that, because then everyone still at that time would have thought, "Oh my God, now they're here trying to take it over." Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that was always the problem with the invasion was it never felt like WCW was there. It no. felt like Mike Awesome, Chuck Palumbo, Booker T, <laughs> later Rob Van Dam and Paul Heyman kind of, but they were their own faction. Buff Bagwell was there for a night. Yeah, like Buff like 
and then Austin and like a bunch of WWE guys who had to go and join. Dudley's had to join. Austin like, had to join. A bunch, bunch of people had to join the other side to max out the ranks. Yeah, but they were WWE guys to us. Because WWE won, and we were watching Cause, WWE. Because when you look at, I mean, because Survivor Series right around the corner. When you look at that Survivor Series in, in like match, yeah. where it was, who was it? It was Big Show, Kane, Undertaker, Rock, and Jericho was one team. Wow. <laughs> one freaking team. And team then, first ballot Hall of Fame. Right. And then the other team was Austin and Angle, great. RVD, good. Shane. And who was the fifth? I don't even remember. I okay, mean, well, since that you guys just shows know your... Shane is the best in the world, so you yeah, take he two spots. Yeah. Since you guys know your history so well, I'm curious if you remember this. Now, our usual panelist who didn't bother to show up tonight, George Hermosa, <laughs> did bother to shoot me a text a little earlier and reminded me that Vince Russo actually burst this idea of the invasion at WWE in 2002, or at least that's what George remembers hearing amongst the fans and the rumor mill Vince back then. Vince wasn't there in 2002. Vince you Russo. Got this. Russo wasn't there in 2002. Yeah, he was. Well, he, because, wait, he left after he left W fired from well, WCW. Went back to WWE. I don't remember that. No, no, he for like a week for a day. Oh, for a day. He, for a day under creative. It was specifically specifically it was something about his contract that they his contract wasn't with Time Warner in a way that he could have sat home like on the talent. Uh huh. They, they technically acquired his contract through the WCW sale, and and then just fired him. They didn't fire him. They brought him in. <laughs> they brought him in, and if, and. Every time you hear the story from Vince Russo, it'll change. Of course. But the constants of this story I heard was that he came in after this invasion, because this invasion was 01. Yes. He came in in 02, and his pitch was, bro, we need to do the invasion. (laughs) All the WCW guys need to get in here and do an invasion. I'm sorry, Mr. Russo, we we just did that. We just finished that story. Bro. (laughs) Invasion. No, you, you're not listening to me. We we that like see this was the end of that chapter. We already did that, bro. <laughs> All right. Well, now it didn't. Was Buff Bagwell involved? We're just gonna separate Raw and SmackDown now. It it did. Well, and he also tells you part of the story that he was there and he quit. He quit or asked to be released because he also had to work under Stephanie McMahon, and he claimed it would be a no win situation because anything. Anything he does, he wouldn't be able to go to Vince and say it's actually who you have me under. Our chat role is ripping the invasion angle. As they should. As, well, as, as they should. Demo pointing out that Shane was never even never even worked for WCW or ECW. But he owned them at the end. He, owned, he bought them he at the end. He appeared on TNT. Right. TBS? Yeah. No. T- D- TNT. TNT, yeah. Well, either way, so Bischoff's in this in this position where his wrestling his, his wrestling story he says was over, but it didn't end on the high note that he wanted, and he kind of sits and waits for Vince to call two years later. Yeah, or well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like a, well, definitely a year plus later. Well, he right. doesn't sit and wait so much as he goes about his life as he was before the first call. Right, but he had it on his mind. Of course, he, he admits he was thinking about it. He was maybe sort of romanticizing creating a new ending to the Eric Bischoff wrestling story. And when he gets on the phone with Vince, any bad feelings that he didn't maybe have left over seem to dissipate. As he says, Vince is incredibly sincere. He says that um, he told Bischoff he hoped they would work together someday and that Bischoff immediately knew that he was in. But he'd also been told all kinds of things Mm -hmm. about Vince. He didn't know how this phone call was going to go. Were you surprised by the way he described it happening? I was just surprised because I didn't even realize that, well, like until he said on here, that this was the first time that they ever even spoke since 
1990. Since kind of the promo on the broom. Yeah, like since he was. Like the fact that they never spoke at all in that time frame. I mean, I know it wasn't like regular friendly conversation being their competition with Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. But at some point, there had to have been some type of communication between them. So that honestly really surprised me. I'm like, there was never any, not even like, like trash talking or anything. Like between the two, if I there mean, would have been social media back then, I'm sure true. That would be well, yeah. of course. Of well, course. also, I think the more you ask Eric, like the more you hear about Eric speak about this time of the Monday Night Wars at their height, he talks mm-hmm. a lot about how it wasn't formal emails or memos or conversations so much as it was, as it was just lawsuits. Yeah, like the, and at that point, you're legally in a bad spot if you ever actually try to speak. To that's your true. opponent legally without a lawyer present. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a huge part of it. Also, I'm not shocked at all to hear Vince was Mr. Every, like, Mr. I lo- like, Mr. Please come in here because I, that's really his job. Best for business. Like, well, and it's also really his job. And it was clear that Eric was going to be talent where he, like, the call was very much like, wow, I, by the end of that call, I kind of felt bad <laughs> trying to put yeah. him out of business. Well, <laughs> like, and, and that came later when he yeah. had the fam as well, and and they were so great to him. But there's also a speculation at this time that maybe mm. because Jerry and Jeff Jarrett were trying to start their own promotion, that WWE just wanted to scoop Eric Bischoff up and make sure he wasn't in the mix on that. And Bischoff was like, no, I, I don't think they were worried about that. No, and, and why would they? why should they be? Why would they be? That let's too? give them the max. Let's give that rumor the most maximum credit. Okay. If, the, if you could break, okay. if you could break the decision to hire Eric Bischoff at that time down into a hundred percent worth of factors, mm-hmm. at maximum ten percent of those factors are he could go to TNA and revolutionize wrestling and put us out of business. Yeah, ten percent. You really, you really think that it could go up to that? I think yes. I think it could never go to eleven percent, but ten percent. No, I'm surprised it goes beyond one percent. Really? Yeah. No, I think there was no chance you whatsoever. Men and your math. I don't think they mean TNA specifically so much as if he works here, he can't go anywhere or start anything or do anything. Because like, at, you got to remember at this time, they're on Spike TV and the USA Network didn't have wrestling. But no, TNA was on weekly pay per views. No, no, but I'm talking about Eric. I'm talking the whole ten percent isn't just TNA so much as Eric Bischoff being hired to do a wrestling. Co- to do something with a wrestling company on TV on a major network that could compete like the USA Network. Because up until WWE came back to the USA Network, the USA Network was the place wrestling could go sure. to compete with to compete with the WWE. I mean, I'm saying, I would have been concerned if I was WWE. But apparently, they were not. <laughs> and the folks in the chat role, uh, Demo said, you know, that Vince and Eric Bischoff never speaking, she didn't find that really that shocking. Yeah. Oh, well, we can don't don't we can go disagree. up in business against Demo. I guess she won't speak. <laughs> Find <to you>. Demo. <laughs> also, it's not like they're competing restaurants in the same neighborhood. Like they all, they both travel the country. They both travel the world. Traveled the world. It's like peak. Denny's and the Good Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, they're both on sunset. While yeah. we're trying to decipher between things, what did what do we make of Stephanie calling Eric Bischoff just to warn him? Now listen, Eric Bischoff, I don't want you to be surprised when you get here. You got a lot of heat. A lot of the boys got it out for you. Just warning you. Thoughts on this, you guys? Because this is juicy, right? Go ahead. How much do you think this was her... I don't know if... Well, granted, bluster among a locker room isn't something to be taken lightly. Right. However, I think this call is partly that, like, partly from that bluster that there are people there... At the time of that call, oh, if he was ever here, I would 
you know, I would tell him, how dare he fired me via FedEx. <laughs> would, they, would they say it just like that with the angry fist waving yes. like you just did? Oh, just in this tone. Oh, man. I'm very Let's, intimidated. But I think setting, it's, setting the visual for you here, yes. folks. He's sitting here in his <laughs> long sleeve, red checkered shirt, fist balled, <laughs> voice almost at a yelling octave. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. Um, <laughs> but I do think a, a huge part of this, too, is she wants to see how he would react to the idea that he has heat. Because mm-hmm. she, once again, if Vince has never spoken to him, she has definitely never spoken to him. So as as a talent that she's going to write for, she needs to know, like, can he, A, can he lean into the heat with the fans, mm-hmm. but can he do business with us? And I, I think that's worth well, doing in a conversation. And I also think it's also part of, you know, you can't act like you're, you know, Big time, almost took us out of business backstage. Yeah, right, kind of feeling out his because you know, how, like how how do you feel about not being the guy in charge? How do you feel about being talent just like everyone else? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's really what she was in a way getting at. And I mean, his response that he gave on the podcast was was exactly what would need to be here is be heard. Is just like it's like I've, I've dealt with it before. What's, <laughs> what's going to stop it from happening again? And I, I don't see anyone really getting an interview opportunity with Stephanie McMahon and, and asking this question, but I would love to know her take on this, just because the idea that Stephanie McMahon kind of... said that, on the line right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, no, girl. No. I just, I love the don't, idea that, like... Don't, respond, don't say hi to Stephanie McMahon. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, she's cool. She's cool. She's comfy. I could hey, girl her. She'd be oh, cool. All right. Oh, okay. Me. We could hey, girl. We could hey, girl. But I just think the idea that, like, she went rogue and did something that she felt she wanted or needed to do is just a cool idea. Yeah. Because that was a long time ago, and, and she wasn't quite the uh, she, boss lady that she well, is now. I think it was first, a, a first te- step for her to, like, kind of test herself to see if she could be the boss lady. Yeah. Well, was she head of creative in 01? I feel like That's she was. Too. I don't know. Ago. Yeah, I feel like she wasn't actually head of creative yet. So no. this was... I don't want to say rogue, but like this was a call. Stepping in, stone. Yeah, like a stepping stone call. Like she was taking that mantle, whether it was there, mm-hmm. whether she was there or not. Right. As you said, kind of judging how he would feel about being just a talent again, which he expressed on the show that he was really excited mm. to be just talent again, uh, not as many responsibilities, that it was very, liber- He's, the quote is, it was very liberating after all I'd been through. That sounds like someone who's a little bruised and battered and uh, not not bitter per se, but like he's not willing to forget what he's gone through in this business. And But is ready for something refreshing. Yeah. Also, speaking about heat with people at a company, do you, that would like if he were brought in as like Booker's not probably not a Booker, but like a writer or head of creative or like mm-hmm. he was that would have given more heat. Yeah, like that's he wouldn't have been able to handle that kind of heat because mm-hmm. the people he really tried to put out of business, he would then have to like. I think that's with the Vince Russo O two thing, mm-hmm. where I think that's why that would never work, even regardless of the fact that Vince Russo left and came back. But I think that Bischoff probably would have never taken a job like that in a million years of right. like, well, we want you to be the head of creative. It's like, no. Vince is the head of creative, nope. whether we know it or not. I'm going to be the fake GM, slip the script under my hotel door. So Eric Bischoff arranges his own travel. They go through great lengths to sort of keep this secret that this is all going to go down. And although a few people do find out, 
He says he doesn't know how, but like some people who shouldn't know, who shouldn't have been calling him, were calling him. Mm. Did not name names. Gonna need him to name names on something <laughs> like that next time. But either way, he was he was busy being nervous about memorizing whatever was three pages of dialogue or whatever. This was very interesting to me. Bischoff expresses how much he knew that they would want that script word for word. And he was nervous about making sure that he delivered it that way. For someone who's done everything and accomplished everything that he had in this business and the history that he has with WWE, I would think that he would be in the position to say, take your script and shove it. But uh, No, that would not be a smart move to do at all. Well, on his first day. He was down for the script. Yeah. Well, I think on his first day, that's not, I'm sure by the end of his run as Raw GM, Mm -hmm. he had settled into the job of like, okay, I get it. I can kind of say, whereas you're just coming in on the first day and they're making it clear to you that like, hey, there's a lot of heat. You've created a lot of, rightly created a lot of headwind coming into here. Mm -hmm. The last thing anyone wants to see. Or here is like is oh, you and shoot now, yeah and like oh now now we're handing him a script and he's not even I guess not maybe, even going from it maybe this is coming from a personal place for me where I'm just thinking like someone who's an Eric Bischoff even still has that fear like that fear that's there all Oof. the time well, every day the fear. fear the fear but, no guys it's well, fear it's the fear <laughs> well no it's 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 also it's also shown respect so for a guy who is like one of the main talkers from the company that almost put WWE out of business mm-hmm. to show the respect of okay you know I'm just starting here you want me to say this exactly as you have it written down I'm going to do my my job. I'm going to do what's asked of me mm-hmm. and do it and and do it well. Oh, and God. because there are people like new people who come in to WWE and especially like, you know, nowadays also with social media stuff, there are people who come in brand new, maybe have like a few things that they have to say. They might say it exactly how, they might adjust a little bit, or maybe they suddenly tweet something that's out of the character that they're just beginning. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you are buried and punished, mm. if even brought back on. You guys have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. I mean, I, I know a few. I'm sure you know more. <laughs> well, I mean, I was there for the yeah. for the last one. For poor Leo Rush, but he's doing good that, now. That's exactly that's exactly <laughs> that's, the one I came to okay, mind. Cool. Yeah. Right, that's exactly the one I came to mind. We're, we're all, all on the same on page. Rush, we're all on the Leo Rush page. Because I was going to say, we all saw that from the man of the hour. <laughs> Two of the three of us saw that from the outside looking in. Yeah, like, that looks bad. That looks really bad. <laughs> we're, we're out here. <laughs> but also, look look at tough enough winners. They've done it too. Oh, yeah. that's very true. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do some googling about something that happened to somebody when um, we got there. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get let's get back into this. Let's get in the limo with Eric Bischoff. Let's pretend that we are in the parking garage at the big stadium, and he's just sitting there. Nobody knows he's there. Steph and Triple H come and say say a little howdy. A couple of the wrestlers come and peek at him through the window. Oh, Brooklyn the Brawler! <laughs> the glass. That silly Brooklyn Brawler spying on him. This was a great story, though. It was. It was. Yeah, he really sort of painted this this picture for us. And then Vince, of course, makes a visit to the limo and asks him, are you nervous? Eric says, no, I'm just excited. I feel like that's how I respond every single time someone asks me if I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So, or if I'm nervous. So I don't... I was confused why anyone would think that that's such an odd response, especially when he's about to do something that's so exciting. Well, and they don't... I think 
everyone's response to Eric is that they don't know exactly what they have. Mm-hmm. Was Eric only good on the microphone in WCW because he also ran the place? Oh. Or is he just a good like they don't they don't have a good frame of reference for if he he's the kind of performer that can just do business. Mm-hmm. So all of these questions are necessary. I love how we've gotten into their psychology. Of just like, hey, are you nervous? Can it's weird. Like what you're saying is wrestling has psychology? <laughs> I mean, when it's real it does. Uh. <laughs> I don't even know what that what I meant by that. But Another juicy, this is just a good word for this episode, another juicy tidbit, another juicy Stephanie tidbit. Hey, girl, (laughs) takes Eric Bischoff (laughs) down the wrong hallway. Conveniently took took him down the wrong hallway. Right past all the boys. Eric Bischoff says he specifically remembers Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and the are you effing kidding me looks on their face. Faces. This was really fun to hear about. Do you think she was big time in him, or do you think she really didn't know? Like, this, no, this was this was welcome to WWE rib. Okay, this was like a, she a was total, big time. Oh, total yes. rib, total prank. I don't think so. You think that she somehow did not know where to go in the arena, even though she's been there all day long, making the rounds, walking around, and they've been at that arena how many other times? Do you guys know how confusing all that is backstage? You all have been back there. You know, there's all the tunnels. They have the signs all look the darn same. And and they're they're used to being in many different stadiums, night after night. It is very confusing. That's why you're there all day long like she is, and you're there two, three times a year like she is. This is no... No, it was complete rib. 100%. And it's a good one. <laughs> I'm half rib. Oh, I'm man. only half rib here. I think it's half rib, half she genuinely didn't know where the stage was. I don't Because it's also, like, it wouldn't typically be her job to walk him to the stage. It only was that night. Hence the rib! Fair. Now, you're making, <laughs> the rib is getting a higher... Yeah, that's... There's a bigger and bigger... It's not her... It's, it'd be one of, like, the... Like the the assistant directors or whatever are right this way, Mister Bishop. We got to get you. We got to get you in Gorilla. It's not. St- oh, St- Stephanie. Oh, here. Let me guide you around. Oops, I meant to turn left. <laughs> I just again would love to ask her about that and what she remembers. Our our chat role is is focused on Leo Rush right now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Leo. Lashley. La. No, it doesn't even get over when I do it. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're we're watching we're watching this all go down right here on the screen. So let's get to it. A really interesting kind of tidbit too was that he he explains that his coming out before the commercial break. Now, of course, I think as a fan, uh, anyone would say like, "No, we just want a big shocking surprise," and then to hear the promo. But Eric Bischoff's coming from producer standpoint and and maybe even personally he would rather just come out and have the shot but he's like no for for tv production purposes we had to tease it they showed the promo with um, booker t which we watched just a second ago too Mm -hmm. where booker sees him and then the crowd after some stunned silence goes sort of nutsy faking i was i was interested in that did that make sense to you guys Uh, absolutely and and this is something i've honestly always gone back and forth with whenever Talked about like the conversation of, of Bischoff's debut. It's always of should they have just had him come out and be the huge shock, or should they have done what they did? Because exactly what Bischoff said. Now everyone's calling everybody. Now I'm like, oh, you don't, you're not going to believe this. Like like how you were saying at the beginning. Steve. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Eric Bischoff is on Raw. What? Tune in. Come back from commercial. There he is. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you know there was a rating spike 
at the end of that Booker T segment to this segment. So I I totally get both ways. Me personally, as just my individual fandom, mm-hmm. I would have preferred without the promo in yeah. the backstage. But I'm totally but the shock of it just still made it great. And I am a little bitter. I wanted more about this promo. Yeah. Um, like more talking yeah. about the promo backstage. Because I want to know when Booker T knew about it, if Booker T got to talk to him before him. Obviously, it was part of it because he still brought in like his line of tell me I didn't just see that when Eric Bischoff. So so either he's the greatest at keeping kayfabe and staying in character, or obviously he was told at some point prior. Right. But I want to know more details as to when did they talk about it, did they rehearse it? What happened in that area? Mm-hmm. Well, and also he was in the limo, presumably until they brought him out to shoot that and right. then to the stage. Right. So he wasn't because they didn't get into when they shot that, right? No. Right. So that like, I don't know. He was so they couldn't have had I mean, that much we, time to to prep anyone. But but we we don't know. Yeah, we don't know if it was like all right, we're just going to do this live. Go. Oh, let's do this for five minutes. Let's do this for twenty minutes. I mm-hmm. mean, we don't know that. The yeah, exact yeah, of time stamps. Right. But I, I that's the one thing I wish they went into more detail with on this episode because I was honestly more intrigued by the the creation of that backstage segment mm-hmm. than his entrance with the awkward mm-hmm. handshake. Yeah. <laughs> um I also looking back, I think most most don't remember the backstage promo being the debut of Eric Bischoff. They remember the actual in-ring promo being, sure. being the debut of Eric Bischoff. So you get it both ways. That's you true. get everyone calling and watching that night. And then everyone will just remember it in the ring anyway. Because it's wrestling, it happens in the ring. Yeah. So very few times are you remembering a big reveal backstage. So, yeah, I'm with it. <laughs> you guys are my, semi-approving? Semi. All right, let's get into this promo. So he finally makes it out. The crowd, he says, is a little stunned at first, but then he does get the reaction that he was hoping for. And Eric Bischoff says he was pretty happy with his with this promo. The delivery was good. However, uh, and this this goes back to that fear thing again, you guys. I'm telling you, <laughs> he knows he and and sounds like even before he got into the promo, realized that he hadn't asked where hard cam was. I I'm kind of I would think that someone like him would have the savvy to to figure it out even while he was out there for 14 minutes or however I long mean, this promo was. But he says he he didn't know and he couldn't figure it out. And that for most of this, you're looking at the side of his face, which is I mean, uh, meh. well, what he was saying it's is not noticeable unless no, he's pointed it right. out. Well, it's not noticeable unless you point it out. But you, it is clear watching it back after he says that it's like oh they're on the handheld like a lot. Yeah, because he didn't play to the hard camera. I guess. And I think what he really means is you walk out from the stage and the opposite side of the ring from the stage are the announcers. Mm -hmm. So you know two of those four sides aren't the hard camera side. Exactly. But at worst case scenario, he could have picked one knowing that if he got it wrong, someone would – like a cameraman would yell it at him. Right. Because that's fixable where it's just – like a handheld camera would be like, hey, Eric – Eric hard cams that way, or that he didn't even well, whisper to. I mean, Vince is right there. Can you just be like, "Where's the hard cam?" I wouldn't want to. No, no, you want to. In, in case the cameras pick up on the mic, picks up on it, the cameras see him mouth it. Also, he's Vince McMahon. I would and not that, on my first too. day there. Hey, Vince, how does all this work? But, yeah, because I, but I'm just saying that yes. because I think Vince probably would have rather yes. he somehow figured it out. Well, 
I mean, not, go through the I, I even know from personal. I remember a number of years ago at a um, at a show. So I was going out to do a promo. I you know make my way around. I hop in the ring, and all of a sudden I see. There's a station camera on one side, yeah, and then there's another station camera on the other <laughs> side, and I did not think of asking before I went out, "Where's the hard cam?" Mm-hmm. So I have a split second decision of what I should do. What'd you do? What'd you do? Well, so I mean, kind of similar to what Bishop did. I kind of moved around a little bit, mm. but I did kind of think I was focusing on on one of them because when I was watching in the back. Then I felt like I was seeing more so from this angle, so I kind of tried to lean more towards that. I finished my promo, I go in the back, and they're like, Why'd you have your back to hard cam? <laughs> I'm like, Why do you have two hard cams? I'm, I'm, I'm like, What are you talking about? I was looking at the camera, it's like, No, that's a camera for us to watch here, but the other <laughs> one is for the hard cam yeah. for the recording. I'm like, What? <laughs> so one's a backstage feed. One's a backstage then, feed, and one was for like the actual like where, recording. Where are the announcers and all this? I can't tell you how many majillions of times I've been asked by a wrestler, hey, "Where's the hard cam?" Well, because well, now, so now any any show that I did, like anytime it was my first time, long before, <laughs> like you know when we're we're still setting up the ring, I'm going to someone <laughs> and like, hey, so so which side is going to be the hard cam? Because I don't want to screw this up again. I'm never in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had a coin flip chance. You had a coin flip chance. You picked and, one, and yeah, and I, I picked like, tails, and it was heads. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got somebody that I haven't noticed for a while in the chat. There, hello, Carlo Sanchez, Demo, Jobo, Carlo. I love it. So many rhymes. Yes, right? we love to rhyme around here. All right, so we got through this promo. He thinks it was pretty darn good, and then he heads backstage where he meets with Shane and Linda McMahon, and we touched on this a little bit before they are so nice to him they are so <laughs> kind and welcoming and loving to eric bischoff who tried to put them out of business and undertaker and undertaker that he actually feels bad for having spoiled wwf back in the day and and then he goes he's like well if undertaker likes me and vince and shane and linda and stephanie seem to like me i ain't worried about anybody well, no, we, why would you be no because he says it was important to him to go feel out taker Sure, because he's he's the guy in charge of the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. He's the locker room leader. Because <laughs> no, it's it very good. No, it was a thing. Never mind. Sounds the, familiar. There was a sto- there like was the a captain? story a week ago about like as the locker room leader, I oh. want you to pick up the trash. And then the joke was, if you're the locker room, the, do you know who the locker room leader is? The person who never calls themselves the locker room leader. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a tangent. Well, I somehow don't see Taker using that phrase yeah, no, anyway. I, he doesn't. I don't think Taker needs to tell anyone. No, because it's on his business card. He hands that thing to everyone. Undertaker, parentheses, locker room. Right. Yes. So this is the point at which Conrad realizes that they're already 90 minutes in and they've only gotten to the, <laughs> the promo. First night. Yeah, and they and they decide to shut it down here. But so if they are going to cover his whole first year with the company, what do you guys need to hear about? Like, what are you dying to get the scoop on? I mean, I'm trying to remember because he was there a number of years, so it's really yeah. trying to matter. Trying to remember what exactly happened in the first year. Eugene was definitely the first. Eugene year. was the first year. They they teased it with HLA. Yes, which is going to be very interesting to hear how they do. Um, mm-hmm. Chrissy, you look at me confused. You're not sure oh, what that no, was. No, I was I was reading oh. the chat for a second. Okay. I, are you familiar actually, with HLA? I actually wasn't listening to you for like two seconds. How oh, dare you? Are you familiar uh, with what HLA was back in the Bischoff time? Mm, now, I'll somewhat out like, I remember that now when you so, say it, but so it it's, it stood for hot lesbian action. Oh, then no. 
So, because it was definitely TV 14 time. And he tried, like, because they had the, um, I don't remember, Miller Light or Coors Light, like, girls that were, like, on a oh, series yeah. of beer commercials. They got them in WrestleMania in, like, a match with Stacey Keebler or something like that at, mm. at some point in this time frame. It was very interesting. This, I feel like, was the time when I was being a mini feminist and I and I didn't much Which care was smart. That's Which was smart. Which was smart. That's very fair. <laughs> Way less product to watch. Avoided HLA segments. <laughs> um, it's cr- the, it's crazy to think where we've gone. The Billy Chuck t- wedding. Today. The Billy Chuck wedding wasn't the that first wasn't the first year. Year. that wasn't the first year. Um, I'm trying to think like what absolutely was the first year because he was GM there from. Oh, our very this- our very own Anissa Barr in the chat says she wants to know about his whole "You're Fired" segment. Oh yes, and the whole WWE court. Uh, that was the, that oh, was the end of his time, throwing him in the dump. That, that, that wasn't his first year, though. That was his last year. That's, well, that's what Anissa wants to hear about. That Sorry, Anissa, we're gonna have to wait till they talk about the last year. <laughs> that might ha- like that might come down though. Um, they, that, that's something you could talk about briefly. Just, oh like, yeah, they'll touch on it at the end, I'm sure. Oof. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I am. Too. Yeah, the chat roll says part two will be fun to listen to. In the meantime, guys. Join us right here live on YouTube every Tuesday night at right 9 here? p.m. Right here. Right wherever they are right now and wherever we are right here. We're all right here. We're here right now we're mm-hmm. here. with you. We will be here. We want, we want to chat with you guys. That's the fun part of this show is that we are all fans of 83 Weeks. And we love to... Um, Never mind. Love to what? Love to what, Chrissy? <laughs> well, I mean, we... Hey, girl. We love to pundit and or gush yes. about the show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Praise or ridicule, depending on the day. <laughs> and if they want to praise or ridicule you guys, <laughs> where would they maybe do that at? I'm guessing more so ridicule, but that's okay. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at Ro Rosenberg, Instagram, the Ro Rosenberg, com slash Christian Rosenberg. Beginning next Tuesday, November 20th, the huge annual Black Friday sale on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh, yeah. All shirts, 20% off. Person t-shirts will be up to as much as 40% off. Lots of free shipping specials. You gotta go check it out. Great time to um, buy my shirts for the holidays. Just yeah. saying. And SmackDown after Buzz. Yeah, that's that too. too. <laughs> uh, I'm Steve Coffin. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Coffin. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I do a lot of cool stuff, including running the YouTube page for, among other things, 83 weeks. Yeah. YouTube.com slash 83 weeks. You should go there. Get your fix. That'll help me. That'll help you. Thank you. <laughs> and as always, we, we've got some things in the works over here at AfterBuzz TV. So make sure you follow me at Christy Reports for the latest on all of that. Especially if you are a fan of the Something to Wrestle podcast. Ooh. Make sure you reach out to me and let me know that you're into it. And also, if you can guess why I am asking you that. <laughs> on that note, we will see you next week to break down the rest of Eric Bischoff's first year in WWE. Until then, stay safe, have fun, make good choices, or don't. Whatever works for you. We love you either way, and we will see you back here next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 